Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Our Kingdom, this is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master, full of muscle and hyperbole, I am Luke Owen. And joining you for this special retrospective episode, I am Ash (coughs) Versus. (laughs) You had to bring that sound back. Hi, I hate that sound effect. What? This sound? (coughs) Yes, that is exactly it. So yeah, nice. this is our <laughs> this is our series one wrap up episode where we're going to go through some of our favourite moments, our favourite challenges, and then maybe look back at some of the less good moments from series one. But before we dive into that and your feedback as well, Ash, give me your your overall thoughts of series one of Games Master. It was an interesting thing to have to watch because most of my re- most of my really really strong memories come from season two and there are moments in season one while we were re-watching it and while we were talking about it where my brain was going I'm amazed this got a second season yeah it's not okay. even because it was bad some of it was but it's not <laughs> yeah. because of that it's because they were pushing so much past the censors they were really they were being naughty Oh, yeah. It was so naughty. Everything was an innuendo. Joysticks were key. Everything was a dick joke. There were jokes about incest. There were jokes (laughs) about boy-girl-boy scenarios. There were um, more joystick waggling, uh, cottaging. Um, (laughs) Cunnilingus. There we go. That was another one. Um, And clearly either someone wasn't paying attention or they were paying attention and they cared more about the ratings and the content. Because bizarrely, to the best of our knowledge, there was actually only one serious complaint in Series 1 or two series, two serious complaints in Series 1. The first was to do with a young uh, Viking barmaid taking Mm -hmm. repeated axes to the face. (laughs) Although I now dispute that she actually got hit by the axe. Oh, yeah? Having now played the game, Heimdall, which I think we will talk about a bit later, the reason she disappears out of the stocks is because she's actually pulling away from the axe. She disappears out of the stocks before the axe impacts against them. Which then really does break the idea of the game, because the whole point is you're trying to free her from her hair, which is tied up to that stock. So if she can just pull herself out... She doesn't need someone who to throw axes. That's true, but also maybe the game makers thought we really can't have her being hit in the head with an axe oh, yeah, because yeah. also, really, it would be one and done. You know, <laughs> she wouldn't be propped back up through the stocks with, you know, an axe wound right down the centre of her face. <laughs> it doesn't show up on the playback that we see via the captures, but if you go and you play the game under emulation, it's there. And the the other complaint was the adult reviews at the end of the season, which is why that section was replaced 
on the repeats. Yeah, which we didn't actually get to cover when we did episode 10. We just did the adult review section because that was the version that we had, but we didn't, we sort of neglected to talk about the the alternate version that they did, which was essentially just like counting down like the best games. And that was when we actually got Streets of Rage in uh, the series, which we hadn't had up until that point. Um, but it was actually a really cool countdown. It's, uh, it's been, it was shared online by Games Master TV if you follow them on Twitter. Which I do recommend you do because uh, they're posting other great Games Master related content and clips and stuff. If I look back at my episode 10 notes, I do have a note about that countdown. But because we are doing this as an episode by episode retrospective, I kind of forget to look forward sometimes. Yeah, which is why we've missed a few things. Like we've, we'll get, we'll have, we've got a... Uh, We've got a corrections and omissions section later on in this. And some of that is like, hey, these people come back. And it is because, yeah, you're right. We're kind of like watching this in sequence and trying not to look too far ahead that we, there is some of this stuff that we're going to just discover along the way. It does, I think, you know, blowing our own horn here. It does actually make it very easy to drop in and out of the podcast because we're not going to suddenly make references to something that we're not actually going to cover for another three, four months in release schedule but it does leave us open to being told well actually (laughs) but you know what i'm fine with that do you know why why because it means people are listening (laughs) yeah Yeah, well i've actually been really blown away by the feedback uh that we've had for the show so far we've had so many people getting in touch with us and it is like you know we post the episodes up at half past six in the morning by eight o'clock nine o'clock I've, I've had messages from people telling me how much they've enjoyed the episode, which actually, you know, brings me a lot of joy because when we started doing this venture, we thought, you know, maybe a handful of people will listen, but we did not expect the uh, it to do to do as well as it has. We we met up and we talked about how we were going to do this podcast, and we kind of uh, threw around some ideas for the structure and worked towards recording a pilot. And I think even back then we did kind of blue sky, uh, oh, what if it starts to take off? What if it gains momentum? What kind of crazy things might we do? But neither of us were operating under the assumption that people would give a shit. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was being done for fun. And I think that's the best way to approach any podcast. Don't go into this thinking you're going to be the next Joe Rogan or the next Serial go into it to have fun yeah and despite the fact that you are actively a podcaster elsewhere and also have other podcasts under your belt i've previously been a podcaster amazingly one of the previous podcasts i was on we won an award and i still don't know how (laughs) but even despite prior successes or in your case current successes doesn't mean you go into something thinking this is just going to take off and amazingly it kind of has yeah so we've been really really thankful for all of the feedback that you've given us um if you think if you're listening to this and you think oh this sounds slightly different to the previous 10 episodes that i've listened to so far that's because we're filming this during uh essentially the lockdown of the country and we're all now in self-isolation so um yeah we're actually recording for the first time you and i are recording this not in the same room it is a bit odd we've done the interviews obviously and we've recorded podcasts over internet before both of us but uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to record the entire first 15 episodes if we include the chunk of season two we've already done so moving forward i guess for however long we're living 28 days later we'll be (laughs) we'll be doing these recordings remotely but thankfully we both have suitable locations and hopefully it doesn't sound too different yeah i think it was, i think it should be fine but uh yeah no but thank you all for for listening for the last 10 episodes but let's crack on into our thoughts on series one and let's start things off with the favorite challenge award um so ash what have you got as your favorite challenge from series one this was a tough category because originally what i put as my favorite challenge i actually realized would also count as my favorite celebrity challenge so i had to go back to the drawing board And when I did, I kept coming back to a person who wasn't a celebrity at the time, but did become one, and that's Alex Very and the Sonic the Hedgehog podcast. The The Sonic the Hedgehog challenge. 
do you know what i've got the sonic the hedgehog challenge in my list as well like i wrote down three of my favorite challenges and yeah the first one i wrote down when i came to it i didn't even have to look back at my notes i wrote down the sonic challenge and it's not just because you know alex you know, now follows us on twitter and never thought we'd uh, be able to say those sorts of words but it's because he I, I really enjoyed that challenge. I really enjoyed the bravado of it. I mean, now know we, we now we now know the full story that the producers essentially told him that it's doing 160 because he had said I can get 160, and they just upped the challenge. But the way that it's presented in the show, I really enjoyed the bravado of we set this challenge at 150, but you want to do 160, and there's only 163 rings on the level, and you've got a time limit. It's so much fun to watch. And it's only episode two, but immediately they've kind of upped the stakes in how extreme these challenges can get. And even that the most difficult of challenges or the most seemingly difficult of challenges can be achievable. It's definitely the sort of challenge that I would have seen and gone and booted up my Mega Drive and tried to do myself. In fact, we got in touch by uh, someone called Patrick Reed got in touch with us to say that they did the challenge and got a time of 3 minutes and 11 seconds. So, you know, still some time to work on that. You can shave off probably about a minute or so from that. But yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing that I would have done, which is why it was it's, it's high on my list of favourite challenges from Series 1. What else was on your list? Uh, I think so if you're going to go with Sonic and I'm going to go in a probably slightly different direction then I'll try and pick a different one uh, I'm going to pick the DuckTales challenge uh, which Scott Andrew did uh, the where he absolutely bossed it through the Himalayas level he, he's such a great kid anyway. Scott, he's such a cute little kid but he is nervous as all heck because in his head he's got I know how to do this challenge I know how to complete this level. I know how to do it in the right time. So I'm just going to go in there and do it. And I'm going to win this joystick. And he does. He's very monosyllabic in his interview. But he's so good at the game. And he knows exactly what to do, when to move, when not to move. It's a flawless, flawless run. And it's so cool. So much fun to watch. It's a great run, but it's also not a run where he makes it look too easy and does it flawlessly there's a time where he mistimes and he has to go off the screen and back on to reset right, yeah. the blocks because another challenge from season one the strider challenge yeah yeah chevron Hart. chevron amazing name amazing competitor but made it look so easy it was almost a bit boring mm. whereas duck tails had a good <laughs> amount of tension to it there was the occasional mistake but he still completed it with time to spare plus it's DuckTales. Exactly, right? I played it recently, actually. After watching that challenge, I played the game again. I, I booted up the Disney Afternoon Classic on the PS4, and I was like, I'm going to play me some DuckTales. And man alive, that game holds up. It's so, so good. Absolutely. I did similar with a um, slightly modified NES Classic. <laughs> Right, well, let's dive into, uh, well, we'll do take the rough with the smooth. What was your worst challenge from Series 1? I'm going to go with uh, the worst challenge for Season 1, but also probably the worst game to be featured on Season 1, and that is the Zoom challenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I had that on my list as well. Which has three people randomly selected from the audience, or... Two randos and one production assistant. Yes. And the game itself was bad. It was considered one of the worst games on the Mega Drive. The challenge itself was kind of nonsensical. Bless them, all three of the competitors were essentially plank. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a weird challenge. It was, it was out of nowhere. And it's not like they played a slightly older game like... Uh, Mario or Duck Hunt because it was a classic. They just picked this weird game that was three years old or so and nobody liked. No, no. And it was like, I remember us saying at the time, it almost felt like an impossible challenge because you had to clear that grid in a minute and none of them came even close to it. It didn't seem like it was physically possible to do. So yeah, was it right? I think that was one of the worst challenges on there. I, I was not going to pick the obvious of neighbors with uh, ashley pask because that was absolutely dreadful stuff 
um and you said like you know the zoom was the worst game neighbors might be up there as well but i'm actually going to go with uh terminator 2 judgment day martin having to put together the sliding challenge where you had to, to fix the terminator's face mainly because a it was it's a boring challenge to watch because it's not a visually interesting thing to watch someone play a sliding challenge but also the frustrating aspect that terminator 2 the arcade game was available and would have made for a much 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 better challenge so not only is it the worst version of the terminator 2 games and there are some bad terminator 2 games and this one is the worst version but there is one that is light years ahead of it that could have been chosen and it wasn't now and that's probably down to budgetary issues but regardless it was a crap crap challenge I would absolutely agree, especially because the last 45 seconds of the challenge was essentially the same four pieces just just being moved around and around while the competitor slowly starts to hear the sound of silence in their head. And I'm not saying that to, you know, dunk on the competitor because, hey, that dude comes back. He comes back with a vengeance. But it was just a bad choice of game. And it is the sort of game where if you make one mistake... It's just tedium until the challenge is over because it's not easy to get back from. Yeah, I don't blame him for the challenge being bad. I blame the game for being bad. Um, So yes, that is my, I think that's my worst challenge of series one. So let's go on to some uh, brighter and better things, talking about our favorite celebrities, because this becomes like a huge, huge part of Games Master is the celebrity challenge. And for better or worse, I think the series one, celebrities were not like the biggest names a lot of them were sports personalities but some of them did shine through so uh i'm gonna go first on this one and i'm i think it's pretty obvious uh who mine is gonna be can i predict it go on then is it annabelle croft it is exactly annabelle (laughs) croft yeah i thought she was wonderful on the show i thought she was wonderful in the challenge and it's (laughs) it's quite hilarious to watch him play against that kid because that kid gets battered in that match and looks incredibly embarrassed by his terrible terrible performance but annabelle is so lovely throughout and she is very very generous and she is giggly and she is just having a really nice time and yeah i annabelle croft hands down is my favorite celebrity from series one can't disagree with that i would say that from the niceness point of view of a celebrity a close runner-up would be emlyn hughes who also got one how to work the crowd to put his opponent at ease. They Mm. both got those things completely. And as a result, the kids kind of shone in those challenges as well. So go on then, who was your favourite celeb from series one? There were two challenges that came to mind, but one of these I'm actually going to save for a later category. Mm. And I'm going to go with a guy that, yes, he was just a sporting celebrity. And no, he wasn't the greatest games player. I'm going to go with Eric Bristow. I thought and the you might Heimdall go challenge. <laughs> because one, I love Heimdall. And two, I love darts. And it was this, this perfect marriage of very well-known competitor and a really quite surreal game. As we've already mentioned, the axe throwing mm-hmm. at the Viking barmaid in stocks where she doesn't get hit in the head. Definitely no, she does doesn't. Not. She she rips her braids out of her head to avoid it, <laughs> which is actually just as harrowing, but she doesn't get hit. It's a great challenge because it's funny. And it's not a great challenge because he's good at playing games. He's really not. Eric Bristow is terrible at this game. It's a great challenge because it's funny. You've got Dominic Diamond doing his best Jim Bowen. You've got <laughs> yeah. Dave Perry cracking up all over the commentary box and you've got Bristow just repeatedly hitting this person (laughs) in the head with axes and then failing on a shot that was one of his signature finishes in darts yeah it's a great little story it's why actually some of the best challenges aren't always the ones where the people win it's Mm -hmm. the one where there's something interesting happening yeah, no, completely agree with you on that one. Actually, yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't one that I remember enjoying like massively watching at the time, but it was 
discussing it with you made me appreciate it a lot more. And that's kind of one of the other things I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast is that there might be an episode that I watch and I'm not like, I don't think I've got a lot to say. But as soon as you and I sit down into a recording booth and we start talking about it, I realize that, wow, there actually is a lot to talk about in this episode. And there is a lot of fun to be had from this, you know, this show. And that is one of those challenges. I, you know, I'm not the biggest darts fan in the world, not the biggest sports fan in the world, but in, in particular, but watching it back, it really is a lot of fun. And I think that you can probably tell which challenges were the ones that Dave Perry suggested, because those are usually the ones where he's on commentary and it's just him laughing and laughing hysterically because we get it in this one. We get it in the neighbors challenge where he just wants to point out all the neighbors references and in the Emlyn Hughes challenge where he is just pissing himself laughing throughout the entire challenge. Season one is not the best season for Dave Perry, the commentator. It is the best season for Dave Perry having fun. Yeah, right. Or, or it is the best season for Dave Perry laughing his ass off because <laughs> yeah, he does that a lot. He's not the games animal yet as we've gone into. He's just Dave Perry, but he's Dave Perry having some fun. And we actually, you know, Dave Perry it sort of got in contact with us. There was a discussion that we were a part of uh, on Twitter where he said that Series 1 was his favourite because he felt that was the one where it was this small group of people coming together to, to make this show and they were flying by the seat of their pants and there was this camaraderie around that. And I think that's why you see a lot of, like, the human side of Dave Perry as opposed to the character animal side that we would get in later seasons. Absolutely. Also, he makes the point about there being arcades lining the side of the gaming church, which is something you only see very briefly yeah. like in the finished product. You can just see them on some of the wide shots they use at the beginning and the end of the episodes or challenges, but they're there. And I think it's kind of a shame we didn't actually see a bit more of them, mm. like just a couple of maybe beyond their budget of kind of moving panning shots showing the crowd and the arcades in the background maybe they were hoping to do that but they couldn't actually get enough people in the audience to make it work <laughs> okay well let's uh round off this first section of the podcast and talk about our least favorite celeb from series one of the show um i i mean perhaps this is going to be the obvious answer but i am going to go with ashley pask on this one for the neighbors challenge because he didn't want to be there the game sucked the challenge sucked and he just looked like he had no fun whatsoever with it i would agree the only reason i didn't put him in this category is because i'm not sure i considered him an actual celebrity <laughs> yeah i mean they didn't it exactly. was a celebrity challenge <laughs> He was in the he was in the third slot, and the reason I don't consider Neighbours to be the worst game of this season is because this challenge in itself is not a game; it's a murder. <laughs> it is it is a literal gang murder, and this poor sod is just he's getting seasoned. The knives are coming in from all angles, and it's eight two Dominic, boom down yeah i mean you're absolutely right on that one also as well as we pointed out in the episode or as you discovered in the episode by the time that games master had aired he'd already left the show he wasn't even part of neighbors anymore and hasn't really gone on to much since you're right not really a celebrity but i almost feel like we should call this award category the ashley pax memorial the ashley pask memorial worst celebrity award I'm down with that. And we'll keep that. We will keep that for future seasons until we find a worst celebrity. <laughs> so uh, do you think there was a worst one in this? I mean, you, you don't consider him a celebrity, but who was the one who's your who's your least favourite celeb from series one? Mine might be a bit controversial. <gasps> I'm going to go with Jimmy White. I had him down on my list because he doesn't really do anything. That's the thing. He's great on commentary. But you know what? A celebrity challenge involves the celebrity being challenged and if there's one thing jimmy white wasn't challenged by it was providing <laughs> punditry on a game with his name on it yeah and he does a trick shot at the end that just involves him pressing a mouse button you can hear him say just this button here and it's labeled trick shot like there's literally no skill to what he does at the end of the day the challenge that he's there for is some poor schmuck against the developer of the game He's there because his face is on the game. He's there to do the publicity circuit. And part of me wonders if they didn't want to risk him losing mm. a game that had his name attached to it. 
because his attachment to that game was a big selling point. The game sold well because it was good, but the game also sold well because it was Jimmy White. Same with Emlyn Hughes and the international soccer. It sold well because it had Emlyn Hughes' name on it. Now, I, as we've said before, we're not looking too much ahead in this show. We're kind of doing it episode by episode. But I'm pretty sure that Jimmy comes back for seri- uh, into Games Master. I, can't, I don't know which series is in, but I'm almost certain Jimmy comes back. So it'll be very interesting to see if Jimmy can become a two-time winner of the Worst Celebrity Award. Honestly, I won't hesitate double-tapping this one. If he turns up and he does just as little, boom, he's going down again. <laughs> There are celebrities that have turned up and absolutely tanked their challenges that are higher up the list because at least they turned up and they put the work in. Right. Well, we'll take a break from uh, the awards ceremony there and we'll just go through some corrections and omissions that we've been sent over the first 10 episodes. Um, so I love being you- corrected. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to uh, Damien, uh, who did that amazing interview with us. I'm going to say amazing interview. He was amazing. We just gave some answers. But thank you so much to Nintendo Life for putting that out there, uh, who was the first person to point out that Super Mario World was called super mario brothers 4 in japan that is a big that's a big lesson for me i never knew that fact and i'd like to give a related shout out to my old school friend andy who discovered i was doing a games master podcast by listening to it and recognizing my voice (laughs) uh he made a similar point by that point i think we'd had three or four people already tell us and so i was like yes (laughs) okay but we appreciate it because it shows people are listening uh carl malloy pointed out that dolat from that zoom challenge was part of the production team which is something that we missed um we also uh pointed out that martin uh, was in that terminator challenge did return for a commentator role and uh did the virtual cop challenge and thank you to dan for pointing out that you can record kickoff to gold to discs uh, so they could send them in I genuinely assume that they're recording them to VCRs because I'm fairly certain I recorded game footage. There was a time when I was growing up where we actually had a double-decker VCR. Nice. Great for bootlegging videos before copy protection came in. (laughs) But we also had, like a lot of families did, a camcorder. And I'm not saying I tried to make my own Games Master-like thing, but I probably did. (laughs) I have a vague memory that maybe one summer I was really bored and I tried this out. Now, we've heard from a number of the people that we've mentioned, that we've reviewed on the show. I would love to find Dolat. Yeah, right? I did put in a bit of an effort to see if I could find them on LinkedIn or similar. Uh, We've got some great people coming up in season two that we've been put in touch with or that we've managed to get hold of that I'm really excited to talk to an interview. But someone like Dolat, I would love to talk to because of the position they held on the show, but also that weird perspective of pretending to be a member of the audience. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone out there knows where Dolat is, please give us a shout. Or indeed, anyone that works on Games Master. And you know what? That may sound like us putting that call out is kind of like shouting out into the void. But us doing that on Twitter led to someone putting us in touch with Danny Curley, Sega European <laughs> champion who featured in this series, features again in series two. And we've now, you know, we've spoken to Danny Curley. We may speak to him again for this podcast. So you never know. Stranger things have happened. It's definitely in the tea leaves, I think. Well, we'll have some more awards and we'll also have your audience feedback when we come back after this short break. From Sega, the Mega Drive, with Sonic the Hedgehog game. 16-bit console, which plays over 100 exciting high-tech games with high-quality graphics. Toys R Us price, $126.94. There's millions of Jeffrey under one roof. It's called Toys R Us, Toys R Us, Toys R Us. The Nintendo World News with Mario. We go direct to the ringside at the WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Ready, kid? Just watch me with the Macho Man. And here he comes. 250 pounds of lean, mean muscle. What a leg drop. Wow. An elbow smash. And a body slam. Let's see that again. Is that the end of the Macho Man? No way. I want a rematch. 
This is Mario for WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Nintendo! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, Orange, the Sunshine Range of Vitamins. Once you start playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Everything else. Seems a little bit slow. Don't worry, I'll catch him. Back to Under Consultation. It's now time to dive into your feedback for Series 1. And shall we kick things off with an audio submission? Absolutely. I'm all about audio submissions. Hi, lads. Uh, my name's Adam. I just thought I would chime in with my thoughts and feelings about the first season of Games Master. Um, my best moment is just the fact that it existed. Um, it was incredible at the time to have a show dedicated to everything I loved in video games. It was genuinely my favourite show as a child. I made everybody in the household needed to know what was happening with it. My dad was a casino manager at the time, so he would work uh, nights, and I would make sure that he watched it whilst he was on his break. So he would have to go up to the lunchroom or break room at work and tell the staff to flip over the TV so that he could watch Games Master because the next morning he would, he'd come home at like three o'clock, uh, go to a bit of sleep and then get back up and take us to school. And the next morning I would quiz him on what happened in Games Master. So he had to be prepped and ready to answer. Um, so yeah, so that was like the best moment. If I was to pick an individual moment, it would be John Fashionu in the football challenge, just because again, Games Master was brilliant, but it was also around the advent of like the Premier League and stuff that it was just about to start. And I was super into, getting really into football and the buzz of all that um we it was just on the aftermath of italia 90 and all of that so i was a young kid who was really starting to enjoy football and john fashion was just brilliant just to see you know it's not like today where you footballers are on youtube all the time or we have greater access to them via their own social media and stuff so to see a footballer in a non-footballing context then was just fascinating to me um, and then of course we'd get treated to John Fashion who being on Gladiators for years to come um, brilliant series uh, really enjoying your stuff and I guess the last thing I want to leave on is as we build up to you guys covering series 2 for me the series 2 opening is the best TV moment ever 
Uh, forget all your Game of Thrones and your lost twists and everything. Like, this was incredible. By the time season two came around, we were not only watching on TV, but also recording them. So when I watched it at first and it was glitching out, glitching out, I like freaked out and stuff. Um, and then it was the first example of, for me, went back and watched it on video, kept rewinding, kept trying to see what is going on here. It just blew my mind. So I'm really looking forward to you guys covering it. I don't think it's ever been topped with anything. It was some, like a fourth wall breaking in a weird way them like feeding into this show that's just a studio based show having some sort of like narrative to it was incredible um so yeah i can't wait for you guys to cover series two really uh great work on the podcast guys and uh cheers bye that was from Adam. Thank you so, so much for getting in touch, Adam. And uh, I really love that story of making your family watch it so much, you were even quizzing them on the episodes so you knew that they'd watched it. That's really, really sweet. Do you know what the concept of there being a parental connection over video games it wasn't unheard of back then, but it was certainly rare compared to nowadays where we're already in second, third generation video game players, mm. you know, People that grew up playing the Nintendo and Super Nintendo definitely have kids. They could have grandkids by now. Man, this is getting depressing. But uh, <laughs> the fact that your dad turfed people off the break room TV to watch Games Master and did that so he could have the connection with you, that's awesome. That, so that, cool. that, is, that is a heartwarming story. First time I heard that, I genuinely just grinned because I loved hearing <laughs> that. That was lovely. The fact that it existed is also a great point. Uh, I don't think at the time I appreciated how groundbreaking it truly was. Definitely, in retrospective, I appreciate that now. Regarding the season two intro... Uh, stay mm. tuned and you'll hear our feelings on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we liked it quite as much as you did. But uh, yeah, as Ash said, well, stay tuned because we'll be covering that uh, Well, next week, I suppose. You'll be you get to hear our thoughts on it. Mm. Uh, we had this from Joe Sterling, who said, Loving your work so far, guys. Hope you keep going till the end. With your help, maybe I'll even watch the Dexter Fletcher years when you get there. Now, by the end, does he mean the end of the series or the end of civilization as we know it? Because it could be a race at the moment. <laughs> it's funny because when we talked about this, you know, in the early days of this podcast, we did say, you know, hey, you know, it'd be great if we could get to the end of series one. And if we can do that, then we'll probably be able to see it out. But yeah, we did. We got through to the end of series one and we block recorded a lot of it. I think we actually we were close to recording all of series one before we'd even launched the podcast. We had eight episodes in the bank it, yeah. before we released episode one. Yeah, because Christmas got in the way. Christmas got in the way. And also, minor spoilers, we kind of redid most of episode one. <laughs> Based on entirely valuable feedback. but Incredible feedback. But the sort of feedback where you look at it and you think, I can't fix this in the edit. <laughs> yeah. So next up from Adam Kayser. Hey guys, I've really enjoyed rewatching series one along with you both. Just because it was a game I loved as a kid, my favorite challenge was Road Rash. Nothing special about it. I just loved seeing it on TV. So they do another Road Rash challenge. I don't know if they do actually. I don't think there's one in series two. And if there's not one in series two, then there probably isn't one. Maybe there's one in series three. I don't know. Unless we get up to where there was Road Rash on the PlayStation, maybe. Mm. Uh, um, again, we're trying to do this not in real time, otherwise we'd be on a like six month sabbatical right now. But we're certainly not trying to watch ahead too far. Jenny Brown up next, who kind of agrees with me. Easily for me, the best challenge was Big Boy Barry on Sonic. My favourite celebrity was Pat and Mick. Just because your review brought back all those memories of the song. Oh, that song. <laughs> Let's all dance. Or let's all chant, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it means you've got to do the sound effect again. <laughs> Let's all chant. <laughs> very nice stuff. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for getting in touch. Um, yeah, I, it, it was a great challenge, as you said earlier. Really, really enjoyed that Sonic challenge. And that challenge literally launched his career. Mm. I don't yeah, think really that can did. be underplayed because it put him on the radar for Hewland. James Walter was up next. I just wanted to say how much I love the new show and the format. Seriously, it's a nostalgia overload, and I'm just so excited for the future of the series. You and me both, man. You and me both. I don't know whether he's talking about us as a series or Games Master, but <laughs> agreed, I'm excited for both because there hasn't really been a difficult 
episode to cover yet. I know there will be. Mm. I know we're going to hit some bleak moments, but it's still fun to record. There's always something entertaining to say about almost everything, except some of the movies. Some of the Mm. movies we cover as part of the pre-show, they get a little tough. Yeah. Stick with us for those because season one was occasionally a bit off. Season two... Oof. Oof. It's a rough start. It is a rough start indeed. Uh, up next from Lee Hansen. I've been listening for about a month now, and I have to say it's quickly becoming my favorite podcast. I think what sells it for me is that you clearly have genuine affection for Games Master and video games from that era. I actually get made fun of a lot in our office, particularly by one of my co-hosts, Laurie, because although we have got an Xbox One and a PS4 in the office... I am forever playing the SNES. I play the SNES and I play my Retron 5 and I've got my Mega Drive collection of games there. I never touch the PlayStation. And I now make a point of it to mention that the games that I play the most on my PlayStation are the Disney Afternoon Collection and Sonic Mania because it really, really annoys him that I'm not playing anything new. Wait, wait, Laurie as in El Fakador. That's the one. Laurie who, when you were hospitalised, or sorry, (laughs) taken to a nearby medical facility last week, Yes, coveted your SNES, and not to beat around the bush, was in the running for taking your place on this podcast. (laughs) And yet he will make fun of you? I know, right? It's a good job I I made a speedy recovery. It is indeed. I think, though, Laurie, you may be throwing stones in glass houses there. (laughs) So lastly, in the written feedback for now, we've got Megabytes on Twitter. The Series 1 highlight for me has to be Sonic and his lovely little spangled (laughs) sherbet dab. (laughs) Apparently, Dominic Diamond's words sync almost perfectly if you sing them to Sonic's invincibility theme. Give it a try and you won't be able to unhear it. I mean, Luke, Mega Drive is clearly your realm. Can can you give us a quick rendition? Hang on. Lovely little spangled sherbet dab. <laughs> oh, God, he's right. It requires a little bit of syllable bending, but it gets there. He also wished to send congratulations to Alex Very, a true speedrun-ish pioneer who triumphed where I so epically failed in my own Sonic challenge at the European launch of the Mega Drive MIDI. And he gave us a link to the uh, a blog post that he wrote about that launch where, yeah, he uh, made it through to the final. All he had to do was just speed run through a level. In fact, all he had to do was just get into the... He just had to finish that level and he would have placed in the top three. And he managed to just balls it up right at the start. Well, we'll give that a little retweet um, so that you can go give that a read. But thank you all so much for getting in touch. And also, his failure at that challenge just goes to show, just because you're good at games doesn't mean you're as good as the videator. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Right, well, before we get back to the award ceremony, we have got another bit of audio feedback. And this is from the Twitter profile that we were plugging earlier, Gamesmaster TV on Twitter. So let's give it a listen. Hi, it's Dave at the Gamesmaster TV fan account on Twitter. Um, Just put my thoughts in for the the, the Series 1 retrospective. Um, My favourite moments from Series 1, other than the, the countless innuendos that got past Channel 4 censorship, got to be the Pat Sharp and Mick Brown. Uh, challenge from episode 6 with the skiing game they just seem to have the most fun out of probably all of the um, the guests of that series and um, just Pat Sharp's hair as well you know that hair is scarred into the minds of um, people of a certain age um, and a whole generation of kids and my worst moment from series 1 has to be um, the neighbours challenge just hands down uh, it was just terrible it was um, the challenge it was the joystick it was the whole thing um, so there's my thoughts um, and just keep up the great work on the podcast you guys are absolutely killing it take it easy guys Thank you for your feedback and thank you for your really kind words at the end there. Yeah, the, the Pat and Mick challenge was a lot of fun ooh, ooh. Uh, playing chat. <laughs> Playing ski or die. And you're right about the innuendos. It's really funny. The the most bit of feedback we get from people, either on Twitter or, you know, from email, it is usually I didn't realise how much innuendo there was when I first watched this show. And 
I am the same way. I didn't realize how much innuendo there was when I was watching it first time round. It's only in my rewatches. But even then, there are times where I don't pick up on the innuendo. And it's not until we record the podcast where you point out the ones that I might have missed. I think at the time, there were some that were very clearly dick jokes. And there were other ones where... It was a little bit more subtle. It required a little bit more extrapolation or interpretation, but they were there. Mm-hmm. And it again, I'm amazed they got to a season two, not because it was bad, but because they were really pushing boundaries in that regard for what could go on in the early evening slot. All right. Well, thank you all so much for your feedback. Uh, we'll obviously hear from you again when we get to the end of series two. But let's get back to our awards. And we're going to kick things off by talking about our favorite feature from series one. Ash, what have you got? There were a couple of contenders for this for me, uh, mostly based on how good some of the games looked. Chaos Engine is a big one. Uh, June is another big oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to go with the feature that showed something that at that point was unobtainable. And that's the Neo Geo. Great. Yeah, yeah. Because they were covering all the 16-bit consoles and Mega Drive. You could go to Coez and you could get a Mega Drive. Super Nintendo. You could go to Comet and get a Super Nintendo. But a Neo Geo? Unless you're a little rich kid, you weren't (laughs) getting a Neo Geo. And you certainly weren't getting it from the Index (laughs) catalogue. This is where we get a correction saying, actually, (laughs) winter 1992, it was in the Index catalogue. In which case, cool, shows you're listening. Uh, I think I'm going to go along the similar lines, but I'm going to go with a game on this one. It's hands down for me, it was Alien 3. That preview of Alien 3 was badass. What a great game, great soundtrack. And yeah, just it made me want to go play that game all over again. So yeah, hands down, that's my favorite feature of series of series one. I have to say, actually, looking back at all of my notes, a lot of the features aren't great, um, and not they're not bad. It's just a lot of them aren't particularly you know brilliant or memorable. But that Alien Three one really really sticks out to me. And also, when we talk about Games Master being groundbreaking, the fact it was showing us the games moving and we were getting to hear the games up until that point reviews and previews in magazines were stills if you were a home computer user an amiga an amstrad a spectrum whatever you might get lucky you might get a demo disc or a demo tape but for your big console games you would have to wait to see it running in a shop to actually get an idea of how it played or how it moved or how it sounded games master was the first real place where you could get an idea of how the games would look on the very television you're watching the TV show on. Okay, right. Well, speaking of features, let's talk about our least favorite features from series one. And for me, it was that Sega marketing fluff piece because it could have been something cool about the Sega Mega Drive and Sonic the Hedgehog, but instead it was (laughs) some, some boomer generation people telling us how they're selling this console to millennials. And I was like, who could possibly care about the PR side of this in 1991? Now, I am more interested in it, particularly there's an amazing chapter about it in Console Wars by Blake J. Harris. But for a TV show that was aimed at kids and teenagers, I'm not sure who this was appealing to. At the point of recording this, we're less than 48 hours removed from a Sony stream about the PS5 hardware architecture. And a lot of people were very upset about it because it was a very, very dry technical brief. But that's what it was advertised as. It wasn't a let's show you all the games. It was a we're going to talk about the hardware we've developed. People complaining about that should go and watch this Sega promo piece (laughs) to understand what a truly worthless promo is. (laughs) This achieved nothing other than showing how crazily out of touch they could be, especially because they even admitted in the piece that they got Jimmy wrong the first time. They got it wrong. I mean, not for me. Now I would look at their original version of Jimmy and go, hey, it's me. Like me now. (laughs) Exactly. Aging hippie with a beard. Uh, So what was your least favourite feature from the series? I had a suspicion you'd choose Jimmy. And Jimmy was definitely on my list. But for me, there is only one true 
terrible feature of this entire season. And it's the one we kind of kick it all off with. It's that bloody Game Boy promo piece. <laughs> and the one where, yes, we get that one woman saying a Game Boy comes into this world. Naked, and it's just begging to be designed. <laughs> no, it comes with Tetris. You put Tetris in the Game Boy and you play the f***ing game. That's it. It doesn't need plastic shit stuck all over it. It doesn't need skateboard grips. You're not skateboarding on a Game Boy. Why would you need skateboard grips? And actually, in retrospect, it really sticks out like a sore thumb from everything else in Series 1 because everything else that comes after that is either a preview of a game or it's like kind of like PR fluff pieces. And then you've got this. This actually feels like it could be part of Series 2. But here it is in episode one of series one, and man alive, does it stick out like a sore thumb. And before we get angry comments, which we might, <laughs> I'm not against console modding or custom cases or any of that stuff. Particularly recently, some of the mods you can do to a classic Game Boy, where you get different cases or you get uh, amazingly bright and crisp screens, they all look beautiful because they are taking the Game Boy and giving it an upgrade. They're giving it a boost. They're not covering it in crazy glue <laughs> and rolling it around a box of Lego like a weird Katamari Damacy. <laughs> I'm not even acting. That still gets my blood up. And our penultimate award is for best and worst moments from series one. Uh, we'll kick things off with our favourite moments. Uh, and mine is... Oh, it's it's tough because I originally had down Dave Perry losing it during Emlyn Hughes being so bad at his own game. But I think I'm going to have to give it to uh, Series 1, Episode 9, giving the joystick to Adam Bolton, even though his dad, Nigel, won the challenge because Nigel was too old to play video games. I can entirely see that. That entire challenge may be one of my favourite moments, not only because of awarding the joystick, but because of the fashion choices <laughs> of the dad. Mm, yeah. really i just think it's a moment that kind of encapsulates the, the fun aspect of games master and this whole sort of like you know sticking your two fingers up to the uh the the adults in the room that no this is not for you this is for us this is for the kids playing these games even though really the people putting the show together are all adults uh and it, it's a really really sweet moment and um i think that nigel deserved uh to be humiliated like that on television I've got a lot of favourite moments from season one. Some of them I've already used in other categories because such is the nature of the beast. But the one we haven't talked about is Big Ken. You're right, Kendo Nagasaki. And I'm going to put down Kendo Nagasaki as my favourite moment of season one because <laughs> it's so weird. Because it is peak world of sport 1980s wrestling in this new decade, new generation entertainment. The old shtick meeting the new, the sight of this 280 pound wrestler kind of sat on a church pew with a NES controller. It's an endearing mental image. Yeah. And also the whole fake bluster as they walk off <laughs> and giving the kid not only the joystick, but a title belt. I thought that yeah. was a really nice touch. Yeah, no, that's a great, great shout. I, yeah, I, I, I did consider having Kendo in only because like his manager was so funny as well. I actually got past his number, not Kendo Nagasaki, but his manager's number being like, oh, you can give him a text if you want and have a chat with him. I honestly didn't know what to say. And I was like, I don't think I can. I think I would just, I wouldn't know what to say to him. I'll pass on that offer. Thank you very much. It is appreciated, but very when we talk to a lot of people, we know that in addition to talking about their appearance or involvement on Games Master, they will probably have other things which may be relevant or of interest. Not sure that's going to exist there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, right, let's talk about our least favourite moments from the series. Uh, I would have thought yours would have been Naked and Begging. Um, have you got another least favourite? If I'm double dipping, which I'm trying to avoid doing, <laughs> then Naked and Begging would absolutely be the worst moment of this series, or indeed of anything we've covered <laughs> thus far. Naked, and it's just begging to be designed. Because I'd already chosen the Zoom challenge, because I'd already chosen Jimmy White as the worst celebrity, <laughs> I think this is the point where I play my Ashley Pask card. <laughs> 
not because it was bad television, but because it didn't belong at the end of the episode. Mm. Don't end your show with that. Start it. If you're not going to qualify him as a celebrity, you don't need to put him in the middle slot. You could start the show and end with a much more positive note or indeed one that has actual gameplay of a video game. Do you know what? I'm going to completely agree with you on here. I, I know we were trying to pick different things and, you know, I was trying to as well, but I do think you're right. And I am going to double dip on this one. I am going to say it's Ashley Pask doing the Neighbours Challenge as the worst moment of Series 1. It's, I, I don't want to echo myself, but it was a bad challenge. And yeah, I really do think this was just Dave Perry thought it would be funny and Dave Perry thought it was funny, but it did not translate to television and it did not age well. I would half agree with you. I do think it's funny, but I just don't think it's end of the episode funny. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, it, it, but it, it's not as funny as Dave Perry thinks it is, or thought it was. <laughs> and also, they gave him a game to play that everyone knew was bad. Yeah. And I just feel, I feel kind of bad for him, but not bad enough to not put this where it is. I would wager that Dave Perry still thinks it's funny. He's still kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our final award. It is the Diamondism Award for Favourite Dick Joke. Uh, I mean, it's a stacked odd category. There's a lot to pick from in all of this. Uh, I am so, so curious to hear what your favourite Diamondism is from Series 1. Okay, right. I'll set the scene, yeah? <laughs> Celebrity Challenge. It's Mick and Pat on Ski or Die. You with me? I'm with you. All of it. Now, um, Mick, first of all, how long have you been a joystick waggler? Well, I've been a joystick waggler for quite a few years. I was once arrested for it, but ever since <laughs> I took up this, I've found that you can't get arrested for it, so it's been quite a few years. Okay, now I know there's a bit of rivalry between the two years. I have to ask you, Pat, can you take Mick? I'll have to ask my wife first. The tips I'd give the guys is to waggle the joystick like hell before you actually take off. How did you manage to train Pat so thoroughly? Well, it was all down to training. You know, I was out at uh, Hampstead Heath the other night and uh, <laughs> it all kind of worked well. You know, it was a bit cold and it was great. It just paid off training. Now, Mick, you can take that home and I'm sure you could do a lot of damage with something like that. Well, actually, what we'll do, Pat, we'll put this in the capital foyer in London so everyone can come up and uh, have a gaggle at my joystick. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> because they come... Thick and fast. Diamondism. <laughs> but it is relentless because you don't just have the innuendo from Dominic. They're throwing it back. Yeah. That's where we get the cottaging jokes. That's where we get lots of joystick tugging and waggling. But that entire section is hilariously funny. And what happens when you end up with celebrities that know how to work the camera, but also pick up on the format very quickly and know how to work the format. I am also picking mine from a celebrity challenge and it is a winner of a celebrity challenge and it's a winner of my favorite celebrity. It's from the Annabelle Croft challenge where after she is given the golden joystick, Dominic Diamond says. Now, I don't know where you're going to put that, but I'm sure you can have lots and lots of endless hours of fun with that. It's just... I don't know where you're going to put that, but you'll have endless hours of fun. What I particularly like about this diamondism is that he knows that it's funny and he knows that it's he's trying to almost make her laugh and he's so nervous to say that he trips over his words a little bit but it's just a it's such a funny line I think it's really really great because I imagine there was that worry of if I say this is she just going to go stone face on it because you may have talked with her, you may have chatted with her, you may have had some time in the green room, you may have even met on previous jobs. But how is a person going to react <laughs> so to it being inferred that they are going to take a metal-plated joystick and use it as a masturbatory device? <laughs> so good. It's not off-brand for the show, but to say it to a celebrity, particularly a female celebrity, that was kind of the first. Yeah. Absolutely. I would like to give a stealth award mm. to one that appeared a couple of times, usually following the review section. And it was Dominic Diamond coming back from the review section and saying a variant on some sound advice on where to put your pennies. <laughs> I love that because I didn't spot it until I think the third time through of that episode. Yeah. And it's stealth filth. It's wordplay rather than this object looks like a penis. <laughs> yeah. It's going for a linguistic-based innuendo, 
And I like that. I think that's actually a little bit classier than a lot of the other ones. But for my main award, Dominic, Mick, Pat, the menage a trois of joystick jokes and cottaging and whatever <laughs> else they could slip it past the censors. Well, that brings us to the end of our awards and really to the end of our Series 1 wrapper. But before we get out of here, we have got a bit of news to cover. And that is... Um, we've just been we've been so blown away by everyone's feedback to the show we've been really enjoying speaking with you and you know kind of like enjoying this rerun of watching games master and enjoying the challenges and just chatting about this show that's you know you know nearly 30 years old by this point and off the back of that we really want to discover more shows and we want to kind of talk about more 90s nostalgia stuff and so we thought in order to do that we could start a Patreon. And I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, look, it's another podcast that's launching a Patreon. Yeah. And you're right. But guess what? We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think we'd have something to offer to maybe make it worthwhile. And so what we thought we would offer at the sort of base level is getting the shows a week early and ad-free so you can join in the conversation slightly ahead of time. But of course, when I say ad-free, I don't mean the 90s nostalgia adverts. I mean the adverts that get populated throughout the podcast. Because um, we don't make a lot of money. In fact, we make no money off of this show, really. It's um, kind of the other way round at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> So this would just be a nice little kickback for us. So yeah, we thought we would uh, offer episodes out a week early and ad-free. We've got merchandise bundles at the higher levels. And, you know, you could even just donate any small amount and we'll be eternally grateful for whatever you can throw our way. But we thought that if we could reach a certain level, if we could reach 25 backers, we would launch a secondary podcast that is exclusive for our Patreon backers. That would be us reviewing other 90s nostalgia shows in the same under consultation style formats and you may be asking what kind of 90s shows how about a random episode of noel's house party how about an episode of gladiators what about uh blind dates oh <laughs> what about fun house oh more oh. more pat sharp <laughs> looking at other blonde icons that wore questionable jumpsuits what about challenge annika oh what about the crystal maze you are blowing my mind <laughs> especially because in all the tv shows we'd mentioned while discussing this you hadn't said the crystal maze <laughs> and that literally just gave me a shiver up my spine of yes <laughs> let's yes. do this so yeah so that's our first goal that we'd love to reach we'd love to launch that as a secondary podcast we've got other goals as well so you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash under console pod and you can back there and if you did back there at the five pound level you'll actually get our series two episode one review right now it's up there and it's ready to listen but we do want to clarify and we do want to stress that, that nothing about this show is going to change if you don't back nothing about this show is going to change it will always be in the free feed it's just if you fancy it you're more than welcome to but by backing us one you get some cool stuff two you're going to help facilitate us doing more at the moment 80s nostalgia is still a thing you are getting in on the ground floor of the <laughs> 90s resurgence yeah, 90s. Woo! <laughs> Nothing bad ever happened in the 90s. <laughs> right, well, I think that just about brings us to a close. So thank you very much, Ash, for joining me uh, through Series 1. I'm so, so excited to uh, go get aboard that helicopter and fly over to the games rig and dive into Series 2. What about you? I mean, if I pretend we haven't already recorded five episodes, yes, of course. <laughs> but because we have recorded five episodes, the first five episodes of actual Games Master of season two have just been an incredible experience so far. Through the rough and the smooth, it's a next level. Yeah. We're really saying is. goodbye to the Amiga. We're saying goodbye to the NES. Super Nintendo and Mega Drive are dominating. There's slightly less reliance on Neo Geo sports titles as well. Not completely mm -hmm. gone, but slightly less reliance. And this is getting into one of the most exciting periods of 90s gaming. Sure, bigger things would come with the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64 as we went into the world of 3D. But this was the start of the second video game boon. And it's great to be able to cover a show that so successfully documented it. 
and still gave us a healthy dose of innuendo and filth. So if you want to hear that episode right now, you can over on Patreon. But if not, we will see you in seven days time for series two of Games Master and series two of Under Consultation. But until then, take care. We'll see you in seven days. Now for that information about the Under Consultation Club. You can follow us on Twitter at UnderConsolePod, and you can send your thoughts on each episode to feedback at underconsultation.com. You can also follow your hosts on Twitter at ThisIsLukeOwen and at AshVersus. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a subscribe and a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.